Good morning, everybody. We have, are doing things a little, not necessarily out of order, but we're going to have most of our worship at the end of the service today as that is what we are preaching about. And so if we're going to preach about it, we want to practice it. And so if you have your Bibles, I'm going to briefly jump into Hebrews chapter 13, uh, verse 15, uh, just in a few minutes. But we're just going to continue a series that we've entitled Sunday Morning. And uh, like we said, we're glad you braved uh, some of the slick roads that are out there. Um, I'm just, tell you what, every time, every time it snows on a Saturday night, I am speaking safety over all of your lives. I'm just speaking health and just, uh, just praying, Lord, just keep everything, everybody on the road, get everybody home safe. And uh, also, Lord, just uh, let the 49ers beat up on the Cowboys in Jesus' name. Gracious. People are like, who's your favorite team besides Detroit? I'm like, whoever plays the Cowboys. It's the way it is. Um, the other day I was driving on Westnage. So, you know, praying for patience usually. And as I'm driving on Westnage, I looked over and I saw the mall. When was the last time you went to the mall? Does anybody go to the mall anymore? Okay, you, okay. You, 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 you guys go to the mall. I, I just sat back. I'm like, I can't tell you the last time I've been to the mall. So I don't know what's still there, what's not there any longer, because like, like, malls are kind of dying out. And, uh, but I just have a lot of memories of going to the mall. It's just kind of uh, what, what we used to do. Like Friday's my day off. So we used to just, uh, it'd be our day to kind of just get out and just, even if we didn't buy anything, we'd just go walk around the mall, go walk somewhere, do something. And uh, it's just something that has just kind of been a part of us for a long time. But it's been, seems like forever. There's nothing really that draws me to the mall. Now, I will say at the mall, there are a couple of very demonic stores. Now, some of you are immediately thinking like Spencer's, which I would say probably. Um, like some people are like, hot topic. It's so dark in there. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean anything's demonic, but the one that I think is absolutely full of temptation and demonic, and I, I wish it would close up, we call it Build-A-Bear. <laughs> Any parent just wish Build-A-Bear would just close up. Uh, God bless all the Build-A-Bear people. If you work there or you own it, I apologize. Uh, it's one of those things that when, you, when we had little ones, um, it got to the point where, okay, we're going to go in there. We're not buying anything. We're going to go and look. I was that, that type of dad that took the kids to Toys R Us with zero intention on buying anything. Let's go look at the toys. And I was also the dad that took out the, uh, like the little four-by-four, um, four-wheelers that the batteries were somehow working and let my kids drive them around Toys R Us. I, I was that parent. Why? Because it's cheap. I didn't have to spend any money. It's wonderful. But Build-A-Bear, at some point we did go to Build-A-Bear and we let the kids go and they, they pick their, their Build-A-Bear. So here's the thing with Build-A-Bear. You go and you pick an animal to stuff. For you people that are very sensitive to real animals, they're not real animals that we are stuffing. So it's more than just teddy bears. It's, it could be anything. So Cammy picked out a bunny. I, I thought it was a bunny. She confirmed it today and she named it Sabrina after the Cheetah Girls. Um... And Ethan picked out a bear and, nick and named him Pudge after Ivan Rodriguez, who was the catcher for the Tigers. And so here's the process. You go and you, you, you grab the empty bear. Then I think from there you go and you go to the stuffing machine. 
And they asked, do you want a softer or a more firm bear? And so the kids get to pick how soft they want their animals. Then after that, they grab like a little heart and they say, rub the heart to warm up the heart. And I'm like, oh, this is a load right here. And so they're warming up the heart. They stick the heart in there. Then they sew it all up and they make a uh, birth certificate. And then, obviously, these animals can't be naked So they sell you outfits that are more expensive than the bears themselves. It's therapeutic. I guess somebody over here like, yeah. So we walked out of there. I think we had a lion's outfit for Pudge. They didn't have a tiger's one. And then I think we also got a Batman outfit for Pudge. And and then obviously Sabrina, she got a couple outfits. And we walk out of there having taken a second mortgage trying to make my kids very happy that day. Now, when it comes to Build-A-Bear, Build-A-Bear really doesn't sell a product as much as they sell an experience. They don't really, yeah, they want to sell a bear or sell a bunny or whatever is being sold. They're not really selling that. They're selling the experiences, which is why kids want to go in there because in my brain, I could have bought this at a fraction of the price on Amazon. I could have gone to Walmart to get a stuffed animal. I could have gone anywhere else and saved a lot of money. But then you don't get the experience. And this is something that's been in my brain this whole week. Because if we're talking about worship, my worry is that in the contemporary American church is that we have no longer looked at worship as an experience. We look at worship as a product. Now listen, I love modern worship. Like when I think about when worship really started modernizing, I I think of like the 80s and 90s. How many of you have been in a church long enough to remember integrity music? Oh, look at that. I I, I got some friends here. You've been around a while. You remember Ron Cannoli? Oh, Ron. I preached in his hometown of Coffeyville, Kansas. Half the city's in Kansas. Half is in, in Oklahoma. You never know where you're at. In this city, like what state am I in? I preached, in, I preached there one time. Uh, one time to Kansas. Uh, God bless Kansas, the most boring state I've ever driven through in my life. But Ron Cannoli singing Lift Him Up. Then all of a sudden the churches all around were singing Lift Him Up. And then from there, all of a sudden the worship bands begin to come out with albums. All of a sudden Hillsong came on the rise. And Hillsong United, we've got Elevation Worship. We've got, uh, I love House Fires, one of my favorite worship bands. Upper Room, perhaps my favorite worship band. Maverick City, we can go down the list. Vineyard, we've got people who have created all these albums for, for which now we can buy CDs, back when we bought CDs, and we can listen to them in our car. So we didn't have to wait for Sunday for worship. We can have worship right there in our car and then went from CDs to MP3 players. And now at the drop of a hat, we can bring up Spotify or iTunes and we can listen to worship. Uh, you can put the Christian stations on your radio and actually on Sundays, they play worship songs. Throughout the week, they play worship songs. And I'm wondering if, if we're at the point, if we're not careful, we have turned worship into a product that we jam to and not the experience that we step into and we engage with. And don't get me wrong, I love all the albums. That's what plays my office almost every single morning. That's just what's on. I've got worship while I'm preparing for messages, while I'm getting ready for counseling and every other thing. I just got worship in the background. I love that. But God has not called us to have worship as a product. God has called worship to be an experience for you and I to step into and to engage with. But unfortunately, we turn it into this thing where we go to churches based upon, do they give me the worship product I want or not. But I'm here to say that you can have the best bands up here and still not worship. 
You can have the best of instruments, the best of voices, and you can still not worship. God help us as the body of Christ that we never turn worship into the product, but we look at it as what we ought to engage in, that we might commune with God himself. I love worship. Now worship, the most simple way to say worship, worship means that it means to value or to esteem something or someone above all other things. To, it means to value or to esteem something or someone above all other things. And now when it comes to worship, we could talk about a lot of things with worship. Uh, we, we, we often talk about giving is worship. And I had in my heart actually to have a section of this message talk about giving, and I feel like the Lord actually pulled me back on that. Because I could talk forever about that, because when we give, we worship. When you tithe, you worship. When you give in offerings, you worship. And say, well, if you've never been a giver, my challenge is you, be a giver. Step out and give. Remember, Pastor Marty gave me a stat a while ago. He said, if every, if every giving unit, every family that gave nothing at all on Sundays, if they gave 20 bucks a week alone, he said, it would transform missions out of this church and outreach out of this church. So my challenge is, is this, be faithful. And be a giver. Step out and give. And then there's worship with our life, the way that we live our life, the way we treat strangers, the way we treat our enemies, the way that we operate, the way we talk, the way we tip after Sunday morning service. The way we act, the way we treat our spouse. Worship is so much a part of our lives. But in context of this series, I felt the Lord wanted me to focus specifically on what we do at the beginning of our services, which is why, again, we shorten the morning worship so that we can have it at the end so that we can hear about it and not just hear about it, we can engage in it together. Because I believe there is a unique anointing that rests upon corporate worship. There's something beautiful and wonderful about us coming together and worshiping. Well, Pastor Dave, I, I, I just like to worship in my car. That's great. But when we come together, there's just something beautiful that takes place when God's people begin to sing together and worship together. We use that word anointing, and that's a fancy word for those of you that are maybe new to Christianity or just new to church. That word anointing is a special presence of God. And it happens when God's people come together. To worship. And so we're going to ask two different questions as I kind of give you a biblical background and understanding on corporate worship. So first question today is what do we offer in corporate worship? Thank you for asking me that question. That's phenomenal of you. So kind. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 15 says, through him let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips acknowledge, that acknowledge his name. Now there's two key words here and the one key word there is continual. Through him let us continually offer. In other words, worship again, it's not a product. Hey, I check off worship on my Sunday morning. I did my worship. I sang my song today. Or you play a song, I did my thing today. It's not there to be just simply the product of something I could check off, but it says continually do this. In other words, don't stop doing this. Show up and worship. When, it's, when, it, when you're feeling bad, worship. When you're feeling good, worship. If the sun is shining, worship. If it's not shining, worship. Worship continually. And then he says this, and offer up a sacrifice of praise. I love that the writer of Hebrews talks about the, the, our worship is a sacrifice. 
which means that worship isn't always easy. It's not always easy. Have you ever sang near somebody that is off key the whole time? It's not always easy. I had a for, one of our former staff members. I love Pastor Steve Royalty. He's doing an amazing job over in Minnesota. And I remember people are like, Pastor Dave, we used to sit near you, but we can't any longer. Why? Because Pastor Steve. I'm like, he's got a good heart. Yes, yes, he's got a good heart. But we have to worship someplace else. I'm like, that's fine. It's all good. But when it comes to the worship, we have to learn that it takes sacrifice. And what do I mean by that? There's two ways I believe that we can sacrifice in our worship. Number one, I think it's preparation. How do we bring a sacrifice to praise? I think it starts off with the way that we prepare for worship. In other words, how you and I show up to this space on Sunday matters. Some of y'all need to have coffee before church. Some of y'all need to eat a banana before church. Get your grapefruit in you before church. Stop off at, I was going to say Starbucks, but you can burn your coffee at home. Stop off at some place and get, get some caffeine. Because how you show up works. Because if we just show up just grumbling, well, I've got to go to church. If we just show up like this is just what I have to do. If we show up just complaining about having to be here on a Sunday morning, I'm just here to say you're not really going to get much out of the experience because you're looking at it in the wrong way. And if we want to give a sacrifice of praise, I believe it's not... The sacrifice doesn't happen when the band starts here. It happens when we're waking up in the morning. Psalm chapter 100 verse 4 says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. Psalm 50, 23. The one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. The one who orders his way rightly, I will show the salvation of God. I love that word right there. One who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice. Why does it use the word sacrifice? Because there are times where you don't feel like thanksgiving. You don't feel like gratitude. You feel like the opposite of all of that. And sometimes you got a purpose in your heart. I'm going to thank God today. And even if you can't think of what to thank God for, thank him for salvation. Thank him for sending Christ. Thank you for the life of Christ in us because he's risen from the dead. Thank you. Thank God for his faithfulness. Thank God for his mercy. There are some times that we've got to sacrifice our wants and our desires and our grumpiness and sacrifice it on some altar and begin to raise up thanksgiving and let that begin to transform us. Because I don't know if you realize this, but scientifically, gratitude and negativity cannot coexist in your brain. Scientifically, it's not possible. Now, I can think of things to be grateful for, and I can think of things to be negative about, but the reality is, is whatever you are fixated on, it chases the other one out. In fact, I read a psychology paper this past week for which it said that the more that you lift up gratitude in your brain, it squeezes out every bit of negativity. Isn't that amazing that worship is not just what glorifies God, but it actually helps us be healthier in our lives. You want to get toxic things out of your lives? Start being thankful to God for what he's doing in your life. Let it squeeze out the negativity and let that be the thing that prepares so that when you're on your way to church, man, in the midst of yelling at each other and the rough morning that you had, when you're on your way to church, begin to thank God for what he's done in your life. In fact, do this. Thank God for what he is about to do in your life and watch something begin to change because if we can walk in prepared and change, imagine the atmosphere of what will take place. We put so much on worship on this band. And I love our band. I love our volunteers. Can we just give it up for our volunteers? 
I love what our worship director, Emily, has been doing with, our, with them. I love the heart of worship that's there. But listen, if we're not prepared well, it's not on them. If they just sang the right songs, Pastor, if they sang in a better key, if they sang with a little more upbeat, if they did more hymns, if they sang more Jesus Loves Me and all the stuff we sang in kids' church, if we did, listen, we could sing whatever, but if we're not embracing it together, they might be leading it, but it's not dependent upon them. It's us. we got to be prepared. And the prayer is, Lord, how can you prepare my heart this morning for what you would want to do in me today? Let that be your Sunday morning prayer. Lord, what would you do in my life this morning that would change and transform me for today? But not just preparation. Another way we sacrifice is in participation. This may shock you, but when the worship band is singing, they like you to participate with them. Mind blow. I know. We don't do church to be spectators. I, I, some of you may not understand this, but we are an Assemblies of God church, which means that we are Pentecostal, charismatic, whatever term you want to use. And many times as a charismatic, in the idea of charisma, there's a move of the Spirit, but the move of the Spirit has an effect upon us. And us, and the way that we engage, does affect the move of the Spirit amongst everybody else. And I've had people say, well, pastor... I don't do anything with my body, my hands, or anything. I don't even sing. I worship God with my heart. I want to challenge you today, not from my opinion or what I want you to do. My challenge today is going to come from the word of the Lord because I believe God wants to physically get you physically engaged in worship. And so this morning, I'm going to give you nine ways you can physically engage in worship. Am I going to make it mandatory? Absolutely not. I'm not going to walk around with a clicker and see how you're engaging and how many people. That's not my goal. My goal is to get some of you out of your, the little box that you've been living in. And, the, and I want you worshiping with your heart. But there's just something about putting physical actions to what's taking place inside of you that manifests and makes something so solid that it sticks and it grows. So let me give you nine different ways that you can express yourself in worship. I've got it made in three categories. So first of all, there's the category of our voice. So we can speak. We can speak and give God glory. Psalms 34.1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be continually in my mouth. So when you're speaking out, there's sometimes in worship, you just might be speaking out scripture, speaking out a word of the Lord for your life or somebody else's life. But when we speak, we give God glory. How about shouting? Psalm 27, verse 6. And now my head will be lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy, and I will sing and make melody to the Lord. It is biblical to shout unto the Lord. Oh, I was hoping somebody would amen that. Amen. Golf clap it, Pastor. No! Scripture says that we are to shout unto God with a voice of triumph. That we're not supposed to just read little hymnals of prayers and of, of the funerals that we're having on Sunday mornings. But we are serving a living Savior. Therefore, there should be something in our spirit that just makes us want to shout. Oh, we're waking up today. Then they're singing. Psalm 47, 6. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises. You know what the Scripture here says? Sing praises. 
Which means when we're singing, sing. And there are times that the worship band will pull back their words and it'll just be music. And that time there is not for you to go back into spectator mode. Sometimes we just got to close our eyes and just start singing out the song that's upon our hearts. Sing out a song to the Lord. Man, I think we're so used to Christian karaoke on Sunday that we've lost out on the mode where we don't need words on the screen to be the thing that causes us to sing out and worship to the Lord. Category number two, our, our posture. Our posture. We can bow before the Lord. Psalms 95 verse 6. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before our Lord, our maker. I've had people say, Pastor, there are times I just want to get on my knees and bow down before the Lord. I'm like, go, go for it. Well, but I'm, I'm in a row, and I didn't want to get in the aisle way, make people trip. Do you realize that we actually cleared out chairs a few years back over here? So if you want to come up front or off to the side and get along with God during worship, you're not confined to your seats. In fact, do me a favor. Everyone look on either side of your hips. Do you notice what we don't have in these seats? Seat, oh, oh you, got the, you got the Pop-Tart this morning. Perfect. There's no seatbelts. There's nothing holding you down. By the way, there are no muscles on your mouth either. It's okay to, to get out of your seats, to come down to the front and worship. It's, not, it's more than just okay. I think it pleases the Lord. Not just bowing, we have standing. Psalms 119 verse 20. My flesh trembles for fear of you, and I'm afraid of your judgments. And I'm realizing I wrote down the wrong scripture because it has nothing to do with standing right there. But if you were to go for the scripture I was looking for, and I wrote down the wrong one and put it in my notes, scripture does say that we stand before the Lord. It's okay to stand. Like we make a stand for too long. I'm okay with them. Then bow down and get on your knees or just take a seat. I just don't care. But there's just something about standing in the presence of the Almighty. Next month we're going to talk about the holiness of God. And there's just something about standing. If, a, if the president were to walk in the room... Because by virtue of his office, would stand. By virtue of the office. If there are certain individuals that will walk in, we might stand by virtue of their office, by virtue of who they were. But God's in the room. And it's okay to stand. If anything, just to acknowledge, Lord, you have my attention. How about this one? Dancing. That's Karen's right there. Psalm 149, verse 3, let them praise his name with dancing, making melody to him with the tambourine and with the lyre. The lyre, by the way, is an instrument. It's not what you think it is. People are liars. No, the, the idea of dancing now, what do we mean by dancing? It's just sometimes you just want to dance before the Lord. Pastor Dave, I've never seen you dance. It's because I think I would distract more people away from the Lord than actually to the Lord. But I've watched people come off to the sides and just kind of get alone and just lose what they think, uh, what some people might be, be think about as credibility with their friends for just getting the attention of Jesus. I love the story of David where when the Ark of the Covenant representing the, the presence of God was coming back into Jerusalem, he was dancing before the Lord. And his wife, Michael, she was so embarrassed by him acting that way. And he just said, listen, I will become even more undignified than what you thought. Why? Because he just felt like expressing his heart to the Lord. Dancing. Look at the third category. Our hands. Our hands. 
How are our hands used? Hands play instruments. Psalm 33. Give thanks to the Lord with a lyre. Make melody to him with a harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings and with loud shouts. It's okay to play instruments. And so whenever, if you've got an instrument, talent, you play drums, you play keyboards, you play the flute. Ed, by the way, way to crush it on the flutes. You are the Phil Collins of the flute. Yeah, my wife's like, wow. We, we take our instruments and we praise the Lord with them. What about clapping? Psalms 47.1. Clap your hands, all ye people. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. In fact, it is known that the armies of Israel, when they were facing off against the enemy army, they would begin to clap. And they would start clapping louder and louder and louder with the idea of saying, listen, we have yet to fight, but we want to strike fear into the heart of the enemy to let them know we are on our way. And there's something so beautiful about when we clap together, whether it's during the preaching or during worship or just celebrating God's goodness, that almost, it almost helps our own heart while warning the enemy we're not going to lie down and die off, that there is a new day rising. How about this lifting hands, Psalm 63, 4. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. I love lifting the hands. There's just something about it, whether it's, this, whether it's down here or up here to the sides. It doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is that expression. And so often that we've, we've talked about that the idea of hands in the air is, this, is the idea of surrender. And that's part of it. We lift our hands. It's like this surrender. I like to look at it in a different way. I like to look at it as a child. When a child's hurt, a child is lost, there's just something about lifting up your hands saying, I just need to be held. I need to be rescued. I need you. Lifting the hands. See, God is not any less God if you don't worship him. But you are not all that you are meant to be if you don't. God is not any less God if I don't worship him. But I can never be who I am meant to be if I don't. You were created by him and for him to give him honor and to give him glory. And I get it. There are reasons that people have given me for years for why, don't, why they don't engage in worship. And one of, the, one of the first ones I hear is this, I don't feel worthy. And my response is, show me one person in the room that's actually worthy. Including the pastor. Well, I've had an off week. I haven't been perfect this week. Guess what? You're in a very, very good crowd. None of us have been perfect this week. You see, when you're not feeling it and you don't feel worthy, when you worship, you make a move toward God. He's already here, but it's just something about in your imperfection where you just stretch your arms out. You stretch your life out and you say, God, here I am, everything that I am. And you give him that sacrifice. I'm sacrificing the crud that I've been into this week. I'm laying that down, laying down my issues, laying down my pride. And I offer my life up to you that God responds every single time. Or how about this one? I don't want to be fake if I'm not feeling it. I don't want to be fake. I don't want to be pretend. If I'm not feeling it, I'm just not going to do it because I don't want to be that fake Christian because the, the church is full of fake Christians, which I would love to see the data behind that. I think it's an easy cop-out that, well, other people, well, I don't want to be other people, but have you ever had to do something you didn't feel like doing? 
About 10 years ago, a pastor called me up. He lived in my neighborhood. He says, I noticed that you're a runner. I would love the accountability. Can I run with you? And I said, absolutely. He says, how about Thursdays at 5.30? I said, awesome. I love running in the afternoon. He goes, oh, no, 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 no. He goes, 5.30 in the morning. For which I hung up on him. Honestly, anytime a pastor needs something, I'm literally, I'm very quick to just say yes and not think about the ramifications. And so, you know, he, he runs up, it's 5.30, I, I, I put my AirPods in and I'm just gonna, I'm gonna listen to a podcast. And so we start running, I realize, oh, he wants to talk. You never talk while you run, you're there to win. What? I don't know, but that's how I run. But he wants to talk. And for the next four and a half to five years, I barely said a word. But every three to five miles or so, he would give me a chance to talk. But Brian would just kind of talk my ear off and talk about this, talk about that, talk about what his church is going through, what he's been dealing with. And honestly, one thing I hated, the thing I hated most about it is how good I felt the rest of the day. Because it only supported the thing I was supposed to do. Because my wife tells me that all the time. Why don't you run in the morning? Why do you run in your lunch? Why don't you wake up and go early? You'll feel better the rest of the day. I mean, no, 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 I don't want to do that. But anytime I've ever done it, she's, she's right. Brian is right. Because I don't know about you, I love my bed. Anybody love their bed? You love your pillows? My cat thinks I don't like my bed. In fact, I'm going to put him on Amazon or Facebook Marketplace this afternoon. I'm done with him meowing at four in the morning. But I get up in the morning, whether it's to run or whatever, I get up in the morning because I got a job to go to. Why do I get up? And there's, this may shock you. There are mornings I don't feel like coming into work. Blew your mind. But you know why I come in in the morning? Because I'm a responsible adult. And I don't not show up to work because I don't feel like it. I've got a job to do and I show up because I'm a responsible adult. Isn't it wild that so often in our culture, we base everything upon feelings as if it's the answer for everything. I believe that we should listen to, to our feelings in a sense of trying to figure out what's going on in the inside. But feelings were never meant to be the thing that leads us. They're, they're things that help to tell what's happening underneath the surface. But they're never meant to be the engine. They're the dashboard. And if you're not feeling it, I'm not telling you to fake it. I'm telling you to make a sacrifice and to step out and to worship the Lord. It's push through that, because on the other side of the push is the blessing. Man, how often have I showed up, and I didn't feel like worshiping, but I'm going to put my arms in the air, and I'm going to start singing out. And how often have I come in with a cold heart, and all of a sudden God begins to do something deep within my spirit. On the other side of the push is the blessing. That's why it's called a sacrifice of praise. Number three, I hear this. Well, pastor, that's just not my personality. Can I give someone a word this morning? Take all of the personality tests you want. You're going to see this. Worshipper is not on the list of personality types. Now let's be real. There's some people, it seems like being exuberant or expressive is easier for some people than others. 
It is not easy for me. It is not my natural thing. I am the quiet introvert in the corner that doesn't, I, it took me years to lift up my hands and worship just because I felt embarrassed. I didn't want to draw attention. For some people, it seems to come natural and other people, it just doesn't. But the scripture says in Psalms 156, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. What's the key word? Everything. Let everything that has breath, which means that, well, that's not my personality to sing. It doesn't have to be your personality. Well, I'm not very expressive. It doesn't have to be your personality. I'm not demanding what you do. All I'm saying is this, as Scripture demands, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And worship band, if you can come help me shut up here. Worship band's going to come up. Secondly, the question is this, what do we experience in corporate worship? What do we experience in corporate worship I'm going to do this just from two different spots. Personally, we experience a spiritual awakening. When we engage in corporate worship, it gives us a personal spiritual awakening. We can walk in just... Our faith can feel dead. Our faith can feel cold. That we can just have had the roughest week. But there's just something about after a song or two that something begins to warm up on the inside. And it's different from like warming up for a workout. But just something in our heart begins to warm up. And all of a sudden faith becomes alive. And all of a sudden we notice a, a scripture or we see a lyric on a screen that begins to touch our heart. It begins to melt our heart that takes us back to this place with the Lord. Something comes alive in us because of what we engage in. You see, in worship, we are not brought into God's presence, but we are brought into a greater awareness of God's presence. So often, I think I've said this, I've heard preachers say this, let's worship today and just invite God's presence in here. Let me give you a wake-up call. His presence was here before any of y'all got in here. We don't worship to say, come on, Jesus, come on, come on, good boy. How often do we make Jesus dependent upon us? But when we worship, we're not inviting him in. We're inviting, our, we're inviting God to say, make me more aware of what you're doing because you're here. And I want to be a part of that. I love what Martin Luther says. At home in my own house, there's no warmth or vigor in me. But in the church, when the multitude is gathered together, a fire kindles in my heart and it breaks its way through. There's something about worshiping that shifts your heart on the personal level. Some of y'all need to read Psalm 73. Psalm 73 is so great because it's a gripe fest. Ever had a prayer time that was a gripe fest before God? I will be the only one, I guess. I've had gripe fests. And what I love is the psalmist is complaining about his enemies. And then he says this in verse 17. Then I went to your sanctuary. I went to church. And I, I finally understood the context, the destiny of the wicked. And then he gets to verse 21. Then I realized, he's in worship, my heart was bitter. And I was torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed as a senseless animal to you. He goes to the sanctuary and has this personal awakening where he sees the perspective of the world that he, that he needs to see. And he sees a good perspective of himself. And he has this personal revival. And then secondly, worship doesn't just awaken you, but it stirs and awakens those around you. When you worship, you not just have this awakening, but you help awaken the people around you. There's two people that transform worship in my life. One was a singer. What was, bro was not a singer. Jay Pino and, and Brandon Heilig. Jay was my best friend in high school. Brandon was a few years ahead of me. 
And the reason why they transformed me, because when I really started getting serious about Jesus and I gave my heart to Christ, sophomore year of, of high school, I remember just wanting to worship anywhere they were because Brandon, as bad as his voice was, arms in the air and just literally sang out in such a way he didn't give a care about who was all, all around him. All he cared about is I've got the attention of Jesus and I want to keep that attention. It's all he cared about. And that caught a hold of my heart. And my friend Jay would get up and lead worship. And then after worship, he'd come down and he'd pray over me and he would sing over me. That would just melt my heart. I would find my, my conservative little self begin to lift up my hands because it's as if I just needed God. I'm like, God, I'm ready to take hold of you, but I need you to take hold of me. And it transformed me. Because, there, but, and I'm just here to challenge. Why do we engage? Does it give us a personal thing? But you'll never realize what it may do to the people around you and the church around you and the church you attend with. You never know who needs a miracle. You never know who needs a spiritual awakening. You never know who needs faith for the first time. You never know who needs a healing. You never know, you never, never know, you never know. Why? Because your faith could transform and create miracles. Luke chapter 5, we get the story about a man who was lame and he is being carried to go see Jesus, but the home was so packed they couldn't get him in there. And so what did, they, what did his friends do? They began to get through the top of that home. I've seen those homes in Israel. They're not very big. And the tops, so we, we all think they're drywall. They were never drywall. There were, they were leaves. There were things that were mobile. But what they did was they moved the ceiling apart and they lowered their friend down to Jesus. And this is what Jesus says in Luke chapter 5, verse 20. It doesn't say, when he saw the lame man's faith, it says this, when he saw their faith. These four individuals, when Jesus saw their faith, Healing had took place. What could happen if we came in this place so full of faith that we wanted to get a hold of Jesus? What miracles could we see sweep across by simply our faith joining together around individuals, around, well, pastor, I don't know all the needs. You don't have to know all the needs. You know what you got to do is lift up your voice in worship. Begin to lift up your eyes, lift up your hands, to lift up your hearts and begin to engage. And I promise you, miracles will pour out. If you've got low faith today, I'm, I'm glad you showed up today because we're going to fill this house with faith in a second. And we're coming to worship. And I've had people say, I love worship. It's just a way to escape from life. But I'm here to challenge your heart today. Because worship is not an escape. It's an embrace. And when I come to God expecting him to speak to me, I embrace the beauty of my brokenness and I'm embraced as I am. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. And so today, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go into a time of just, of just worshiping. And I'm just going to brace your hearts a little bit because I'm going to challenge you to do something maybe you've never done before. And now you do not have to do this. If you are a guest here or maybe you're not a guest and you just don't want to do this, I, I promise you we're not taking names. We don't have videos marking down who did what. This is a place of freedom. But in a few seconds, I'm going to have you stand, and we're going to engage in worship. And when you stand, I'm going to ask if you would get out of your seats, and could we bring everyone just down near the front, side to side? 
If you want to stay in the aisles, you want to stay in your chair, maybe you can't stand, you want to come sit in the front row, you want to stay where you're at. I'm not here to guilt you into anything, but what we're going to do today is we've got to do more than preach about worship. We need to engage in it. Anyway, so for some of you, that's going to be a massive challenge just to get out of your chair and just to find a spot down here. And if somebody's singing off-key, it's okay to relocate. <laughs> Nothing unspiritual about it. Just don't, you don't have to tell them afterwards. Just spirit led you to relocate. But you're going to come down and you're going to find a place if you want to stand, if you want to kneel. If you want to lift your hands up high or stay down low. You want to fold your hands. For some of you, you've never sung with the worship team ever. Maybe it's time to open up your voice. But my challenge to you today is this. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Let everything. Let everything. Would you stand with me? Jesus, this is your time. These moments are all for you. And so today, Lord, we lift up everything that we have to you as a continuous sacrifice before you. And so, Lord, our heart today is to give you everything that we have and all that we are, Lord. And I recognize, Lord, for some in this house, it's going to stretch them a little bit. But, Lord, I pray that today will, Lord, be a new day, a new time, a new place, a new mode, a new way of expressing our hearts towards you. Because, Lord, when we think about what you've done, how can we be silent? How can we be quiet? How can we contain ourselves? So today, Lord, we lift up this time when we ask, be magnified by what we sing and what we say, by how we clap and how we lift our hands. Well, we do this to honor you and to worship you. In Jesus' name, if you want, would you get out of your seats and come forward? We worship wherever you're at. But if you want, if you feel comfortable, let's together lift up our hands before the Lord. And let's just begin to talk to him. Begin to thank him for what he's done. Thank him for what he's going to do. Begin to praise him for what he might do next in the house today. Worship team, would you just take us in and let's become aware of the presence of the Lord today.
didn't want heaven without us so jesus you brought heaven down in this place oh. my sin was great your love was greater what could separate us now what a beautiful name it is what a beautiful name it is the name of jesus christ my king what a beautiful name it is nothing compares to this what a beautiful name it is the name of jesus what a beautiful name it is the name of today. We look to you, the author, perfecter of our faith. Father, knowing you are doing a good work in our lives, we just lift you up, Jesus. Death could not hold you. The veil tore before you. Silence the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are all
Hallelujah. I just feel led. If you're here today, if you're here today and you're just in need, I don't know what the need is. I don't know if it's healing. I don't know if it's deliverance. I don't know if there's an addiction. I don't know if there's depression. I don't know what is going on in your body, in your life, in your heart, in your spirit. But today, if you're here and you are in need of a miracle, I feel like Luke chapter 5 needs to take place here where you may not, maybe just not feeling a ton of faith. It's okay. We got enough faith for you in the room today. But if you're here today and you just need a miracle in your life, could you just lift up your hand? Hey, worshipers, would you look around? And just in a very light way, would you put a hand on someone's shoulder that's lifting up a hand? Could you we gather around our brothers and our sisters? Look around. We got people standing in the back, people standing in their seats, people standing around. Would you just move around? If you don't have your hand up, look around. Come on, look around. Just start speaking over their life. Just start praying over them. If you got no one to lay a hand on, pray over the people with hands up. Just begin to pray in the name of Jesus. Come on. Jesus saw their faith. The man was raised. Let's just speak the raising to take place right now in Jesus' name. Raising up out of issues, brokenness, depression, autoimmune diseases, relational fracture with kids and children, wayward children, addictions that have been plaguing people's lives, habits that just need to be broken in Jesus' name. We're going to just speak the voice of, of, of victory in this place. And we just say, in the name of Jesus, bring a miracle. Lord, we believe signs and wonders follow those that believe. And today, Lord, we've got a room of believers. And we say, Lord, I, we say, raise them up from their bed of affliction in Jesus' name. We speak Jesus. No other name but Jesus. Lord, we want to see salvation. We want to see hope. We're going to see peace rest where there's been nothing but chaos. Love manifests where hate used to rule and to reign. But we break the back of bondage in Jesus' name. And we speak freedom in the house. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, let, let them hear you praying over their life. Pray in the Spirit. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, pray in the Spirit. Let's just intercede over lives today in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Lord, I believe you're working miracles today. I believe you're transforming. I believe you're setting us free. You are our champion. We sang that from the beginning. You are our champion. And giants fall at the feet of our champion. Lord, we just speak greatness into this place, God, believing that you can do more than we ask or imagine. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on. Let's worship together with this song today.
come on now. Come on, let's clap your hands, all you people, and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, you are Lord. Whether we lift you up or not, but we can never be all we want to be if we just treat you as a product. We want the experience of engaging with you. That experience of communing with you and your presence. And so, Lord, I pray that today would just be that turning point. The fuse being lit in our spirits where, Lord, worship is, Lord, it's no longer product. We stop chasing after a product and we just start engaging with you. Lord, I pray that worship at K-First would never be the same ever again. Ever again. Ever again. Ever again. Lord, we're worshipers. We're engagers. So, Lord, I pray that you would seal this deep within our hearts. That, Lord, it would bear fruit this week. That, Lord, we even be purposeful this week to take at least a few moments every single day just to spend time in your presence. To kneel, to shout, to sing, to dance, to speak. Just to simply commune with you, God. That our lives would take shape. Not to become anything the world wants us to be, but to be that which you want us to be, Lord. To be made into the likeness of you. To truly be the image bearers of Jesus. So, Lord, seal this. Let fruit be born. And, Lord, bring us back next week. And to Sunday morning, Lord, just brewing and brimming, exploding, ready to see what you're going to do next. To you be the honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray all of this. And everyone said, one more time, can we give God a hand clap of praise in the house?